And I think that that just kind of encapsulates something that is really important, which is so often in our educational work and processes and as homeschoolers, we get sidetracked by things that are a little easier to measure. Grades, success, degrees, jobs, salaries, all those kinds of things. And it's just helpful for me to always remember that those things are useful insofar as the things that they do, but they're not nearly as important as the fact that we deal with people who are not mere mortals. And so we measure our, our the context of our lives is really measured by relationships, including our relationship with the one who made us and then with the ones who are made in his image. And so it's, it's a, to me, it's a very foundational belief that I think if you don't understand that, you're bound to get off track in any educational journey that you're participating in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zan Tyler podcast, where our goal is to help you thrive in your homeschool journey. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and leave us a five-star review if this podcast has encouraged you. Leaving a review helps other homeschool parents like you also find our podcast, and hopefully we can encourage them as well. As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook for more content. Today, I am really excited to have Jonathan Bush with us. Jonathan is the president and CEO of Unbound. He's a homeschool graduate and a homeschool dad of six. He worked for nine years as a director of admissions for a private liberal arts college and then spent over 10 years working in non-traditional higher education. He is the author of The Personal Triangle. We will talk about Unbound, his book, and more. So stay tuned. I think you're going to love this podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make, but one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Zan. This is an honor and a privilege. So I'm delighted to be on the podcast. Well, I've grown up in the homeschooling world, you know, since the mid 80s. And I've always heard a lot about College Plus. And when my kids were graduating from high school, for, for the career path they each wanted, they needed a college degree. But so much, th- so many things have happened since then that I'm really excited to talk to you about Unbound. But first of all, let's talk about your story because I know you were homeschooled and now you have 
six homeschooled kids. So tell us a little bit first about what is what your homeschool journey was like and what it's like to be a second generation homeschool dad. Well, I probably owe some of this to you, Zan, um, and maybe some others that are listening, because if you started in the 80s, um, you know, I started homeschooling in the 80s, meaning that I was being homeschooled. Right. Um, and and the older I get, the more crazy it is that my mom decided to homeschool. I mean, I'm still not entirely sure if I understand the story about how she found out about it. We were the only people that homeschooled in our neck of the woods. Um, and then it wasn't until I had children of my own that I even plugged into the wider homeschool community. I had no idea. Um, my third daughter was just born and I went to the ATAV conference in Virginia and I hadn't didn't know there were that many homeschool students in the world, <laughs> you know, when I watched in the ATAV <laughs> conference and um, and I married a girl who was also homeschooled. So I was the first homeschool student mid to my college. She was the second. I tell people that as far as I was concerned, college was a smashing success because we were engaged by the time we graduated. <laughs> and um, so we're really huge beneficiaries of people like yourselves who really were pioneers and made it possible and fought the legal battles and did all that. And honestly, Zan, this is not exaggeration. I am grateful for that every single day. Um, I have six children of my own. We have two foster children right now, one of which is on the path of adoption with us. Um, three of those six have graduated and they were homeschooled the whole way through. And let me tell you, uh, homeschooling is possible for anybody, but it certainly is a lot easier if both mothers also homeschooled. And so that is just as a, sort of an intergenerational blessing that has happened to us. And so um, it has been, you know, certainly the biggest contributing factor to our family's culture and just an unmitigated blessing and one that we're grateful for every day. So it's been it's been a fun ride. It's it's hard. It's challenging sometimes. But you it forget all of that because of the because of the blessings. So. Well, one of the things, we're going to talk about your book in a minute, but one of the things you talk about in your book, and I've seen a lot on your website, is that if all of our priorities should be exercised within the context of relationship. So tell us why you believe that relationships are so extremely important, not only in our homeschool families, but in life. Yeah, so we're really fond of quoting C.S. Lewis, which, you know, his line that says, you've never met a mere mortal. Oh, and that is one of my favorite quotes in I, the I, whole world. Yes. It's, it's just and that whole section, that whole phrase there, you know, that, you know, our lives is to lives, civilizations lives are to ours as the life of a gnat. Um, and then he goes on, talks about that we should be the most, we should be serious, but we should be joyful people. And I think, you know, what grabs me so much for that quote is it points, it's not good in and of itself. It points to this deeper scriptural uh, truth and truth that capital T. But the way Lewis says that, he just gives us such a perspective shift, almost a jarring perspective shift. You have never met a mere mortal. Mere mortal, yes. And, 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 and that just, that line just haunts me. I mean, like literally it's, it's one of those things that almost at a point every day, I, I try to remind myself of that. And it, it does change everything, right? I mean, you don't ever have this opportunity to relax and say, well, that person doesn't matter um, or they must not be that important. Um, there's a there's this whole perspective here that every person that you meet is vastly more important than you can possibly recognize and realize. And was that from mere Christianity or the weight of glory? Because I think, I think it's the weight, is it mere? It, it's weight of glory. So weight of, is yeah. that, yeah. And I think that that just kind of, encapsulates something that is really important, which is so often in our educational work and processes and as homeschoolers, we get sidetracked by things that are a little easier to measure, grades, success, degrees, jobs, salaries, all those kinds of things. And it's just helpful for me to always remember that those things are useful insofar as 
the things that they do, but they're not nearly as important as the fact that we deal with people who are not mere mortals. And so we measure our, our the context of our lives is really measured by relationships, including our relationship with the one who made us and then with the ones who are made in his image. And so it's, it's a, to me, it's a very foundational belief that I think if you don't understand that, you're bound to get off track in any educational journey that you're participating in. Well, amen to that. And, you know, as homeschooling moms, I think that's what we're after the most is relationships. First, that our kids know the Lord. And secondly, that they love each other, love us as their parents. And that way they'll know how to love their neighbor. And so that that is so singularly important. What do you like the most about homeschooling your own kids, Jonathan? Well, I mean, I think it's, it, it'll sound a little bit like a, a setup to the, answer to the question you just had, but it is the relationship. And, and I have to tell you, Zan, like, as I get older, so many things that I think I accidentally took for granted are becoming more and more miraculous to me, including my relationship with my parents growing up, um, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my kids. So much that I think is fairly normal is so abnormal in today's mm, world. That's the truth. Yes. A and now, now, I have to always say this really carefully. Don't, don't get confused. I don't have some superhero homeschool family. Um, we are not without mistakes in any way, shape, or form. And it's not that we don't struggle. All those things are absolutely true. But I tell people, it's like, you know, when you have, we have a little, uh, little baby in the house now. We just got a two-month placement um, from the social services. And, you know, it's kind of miserable right now because you don't sleep and you don't understand why this dumb kid is kind of wailing and fussing and you can't get him to <laughs> calm down. But I know from having done this eight times before that at some point you'll forget all of that. That, yes. that it's not that that wasn't hard. It's just that that will fade and become insignificant compared to the joy of insert whatever age is next. And so when I think about homeschooling and what I like the most, it's just this opportunity to know and have been able to interact and spend time with my children at such a deep level to the point that, you know, my oldest is 23. And if you count, you know, the foster babies, the youngest is two months or the youngest of my natural children is, is now 10. Um, and, and while I'm not a perfect dad, they're not perfect kids. I have a great relationship with each of them. And, and literally everything else that happens is so much easier in that context. Um, and I get, again, Zane, I just, as I get older, I feel less and less like I have anything to do with that and more and more humbled and grateful for the blessings God has given me, including parents and communities and the homeschool world that taught me some things right when I needed to taught them. So. Mm, amen to that. Well, tell us a little bit about the Unbound program, Jonathan. And I know you have um, programs for high school and college. Right. So for high school students, uh, we work with anybody's curriculum. And um, and for co uh, college, it's for college age students, 18 and above. And maybe the umbrella statement for that is that we exist as an organization to teach young people how to thrive. And I use that, that language very specifically. Um, it's thrive, not be successful. Uh, I think too often our entire educational system and sometimes our educational systems in homeschooling are designed to either implicitly or explicitly teach children how to be successful. And successful is often defined by, if we can get this kid to be rich, famous, or powerful, we will have done something important. Mm -hmm. And That's we accidentally right. pass it on to our kids. And then the reality is, is that when children graduate, they find out that becoming rich, famous, or powerful is actually a pretty difficult endeavor. It's, it's an empty uh, end to seek in and of itself. And that optimism that comes with youth often fades to cynicism, which then sours to bitterness and often despair. 
because our objectives and our kind of goals were off. And, and oftentimes I find that people didn't say like, oh, kid, you're going to be, I'll be proud of you if you're successful. But that's the message being delivered. And so with Unbound, we said, look, we want something a little different here. We want people to be able to thrive. And by that, we want them to be able to understand their, their purpose and have ownership of that. We want them to have good relationships with the people that they uh, exist with. We want them to be able to take care of themselves and, and be independent. And we want them to be able to serve others. And if, and if that happens, that can happen in a huge variety of contexts. But the thing is, is that there's some core skills that are necessary for those things that are kind of universal. And so whatever we do, we want to be able to teach them to do that. And so in our high school programs, we do that by saying, no matter what curriculum you're using, there, there's something, there's the actual knowledge of the curriculum, and then there's something that transcends the knowledge of the curriculum, which is what you learn learning that knowledge. So the way I often explain this, Zane, is I say, if you're like me and you're not a big math person, there's a some, certain point in your life when you say, why am I taking algebra two? Like, <laughs> what, what is the point of this? And and the answer is you may not use Algebra 2 if you're not an engineer, but the process of learning how to teach your mind to do something difficult like Algebra 2, that becomes a transferable skill that's really important. And so with our EQUIP program for high school students, we actually have a coaching program and a series of courses that says, let me take your curriculum that you're using and let me show you how to use it to teach you these transferable skills of time management and task management and critical thinking and understanding and all those kinds of things. And then at our um, college level course, we say, let us teach you how to thrive by a series of live events, by skills-based education, and by project-based um, education, meaning that we want you to do these things more than anything else. We want you to actually get your hands dirty and then to give you the mentors, the community, and the teachers to allow you to do that. Um, and I'll just say that that's a fun place to be. So, You know, there are a couple of things you said that I just want to comment on for a minute. First, the idea of thriving, that's actually the tagline for the podcast, Helping You Thrive in Your Homeschooling Journey. And so I am right there with you in that being my desire, not only for our children, but for the homeschooling parents who have bitten off this very big um, project in homeschooling. And uh, one of the other things that I love is the the project-based education you do at the secondary level. Um and one of the things that you said in a book or a podcast is that when you do projects, there's a real um, cost of failure. You know, in school now, if I hadn't made an A in school, if, if I made a B, then that was a failure. And that was my, you know, I was so identified with grades. You know, I was okay with one B every once in a while. Um, but I was so, my identity was so tied up with grades and achievement that um, I really just love that project-based attitude where you're doing things in the real world and where failure doesn't just impact you, it impacts, impacts other people. And not that, I mean, we learn from our failure and our mistakes and all of that, but it, it's just more real world and it has more significance to it. So tell us a little bit. Um, I know that there was a project where one of your students did a fundraiser, I think, in Michigan for um, a, an anti-human trafficking organization. Tell us a little bit about those projects. Yeah, that was Abby, actually Abby, who did that in South Dakota. And um it was a fun project because I think she surprised herself. She certainly surprised her community and she surprised us. Um, she was kind of looking around saying, boy, what am I going to do here? She was passionate about fighting human trafficking. She found an organization in her 
community that did that. And she sort of said to them, you know, what's your biggest fundraiser? And they said, well, we do a breakfast every year that brings in $5,000. And she had this idea to do this masquerade ball. And um, Zayn, it got really interesting because all the social media outlets blocked her from running ads for this event because it mentioned human trafficking. Now, just to be clear, it was fighting human trafficking, but it's just one of those weird things. And so she had to go on the local TV stations and say, do that. Well, th- they were sympathetic to her cause. And so she had local chefs uh, donate their time and their talent and all these things. So a couple of us actually got to attend the ball, which was really fun. And she ended up raising over $56,000 for this organization. And now it's a fun project because it was it's glitzy and glamorous and we had great shots from it and all those kinds of things. But I don't want that to take away from the kind of core learning that took place. Here's a young lady who, first of all, achieved more than she thought. But just think about an educational process where instead of learning about communication or learning about you know whatever the theory is you have to make the calls and be on the it. tv yes. shows yes and, and and contact the chefs and organize the stuff and handle the money and set up the accounts and all those kinds of things and and i will just say that you know having watched abby take off from there you know the amount of skills she has is just absolutely breathtaking for somebody her age and she she was a talented young lady to begin with, and so we can't take full credit for that. But to see them crystallize and focus because of that project, that's really the hope. And that's what happens when you have to kind of interact with the real world, right? I mean, you and Zaya, to your point, there's a failure aspect there, but I think there's also an aspect here where in a traditional education system, it's very easy to measure success. And then to your point about getting the A's, failure is fatal. You know, a B is yes, not a 4.0. Yes, that's the good way to right. put it, yeah. And, and, but in the real world, unless you stay in education, failures never fail, uh, is rarely fatal, right? right? I mean, there's right. obviously some places. Um, and so most people learn by failure. So we have this weird situation where kids come out of an educational system where they've been trained to never fail and they enter so-called real life, which is where you have to fail to learn to go forward because technology disrupts so quickly that nobody knows what's going on. And so by this project-based education, we say, look, you're going to mess some of this stuff up, but learning how to mess up, recover from that, and then eventually be successful, that's the heart of how you're going to actually make it in a world where technology disrupts things all the time. Um, And so that's what makes project-based education so exciting is it gives you that kind of laboratory to play in that's not a lab. It has real consequences, real results. So So how can people find out more if they've got um, high school students or college students? How can they find out more about your program and understand how it works with their curriculum in high school and understand how it substitutes for a college education or it is a college education? Yeah, absolutely. And we and we can provide those details. So if you go to Be Unbound, which is beunbound.us. Um, or even search Be Unbound, uh, you'll find our website, which should have plenty of information there. You can also, sometimes people say, this is different. I want to see what this looks like. So if you search for Be Unbound on YouTube, you can get a little bit of a student perspective on how those things go. Um, And then if you want to have more details, we have an admissions office. And I'm always really want to stress this for people. I have an admissions office, not a sales office. So while I certainly am very interested in in you enrolling in the program, if you want to do that, I'm most interested in understanding what you need and that you understand what our program offers. And if that's a good match, I'm delighted for you to enroll. If it's not, I'm delighted to spend time helping you go to a different place. Um, And so as you look at it, glean what you want from the website. And then if you have additional questions, give us a call and we'd be delighted to walk you through this process. 
Yeah, and, and I just want to make sure people understand that's available for their high school student and, and their college students. And that's and right. I, I do love um, all, all that you're doing. I want to talk for a minute about your book, Jonathan, because I loved your book. I didn't want to quit reading. I mean, and I love the format of the book. I worked for a publisher in Nashville for a while. So I'm all into those different formattings, and I love that. And uh, so, so tell us a little bit about Personal Triangle, and then I'm going to tell you why it meant so much to me. Great. Well, I'll just do a, a quick intro to this. I'll tell you, Zan, most books, I think, comes out, out of frustration. And, and I was frustrated with my uh, students' fascination with Myers-Briggs and Enneagram because I felt like they would take those things and they would think that they were self-fulfilling prophecies. And while there may be some interesting helpful things to that, I, I got really tired of students saying, well, I can't do that because I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert or because I'm a three or a four or whatever those things were. And yet I can tell that there's definitely God has created people in some different ways, right? I mean, there's some there's some patterns you can see there. And so we started using this program to teach our student leadership teams. And when it was so successful, we said, hey, we need, need to start writing this down and, and make it part of our curriculum. And then the book came out of that. And so really in a quick nutshell is, is that we say in the personal triangle, most people are either create type of people that are love new ideas and doing new things and trying new things. They're connect kind of people who really do best in talking to people and relating to other people, or they're coordinate kind of people. They're really good at organizing things and doing things. And that we draw that in a triangle and we say, look, you're almost never in the points. The people in the points are often a little eccentric. Okay, so you might be, but mostly you're kind of close to that. And most of us have one of those that we're best at, another that we're sort of good at, and a third that we're not so good at. And I don't, we, we make stress that this is not like, you know, you're made this way and you can never change. You can move around that triangle wherever you want, but most people have a natural bend or a natural affinity for those. And knowing that can really be helpful and then figuring out how you fit into teams and relationships and things like that. And so it's, it's kind of a fast assessment. Uh, I hope it's a flexible assessment and it's not meant to sort of categorize people as it is to help give you a set of tools and a bit of a perspective on going, oh, this is why I always think this way. That makes sense. And to lean into that. Um, and so that's what the book is about. You know, I love the section in the book about um, weaknesses, too, because when I, I read that, I mean, I am create and connect and I, coordinate. We're very just, the same. Yes. <laughs> you know, just goes right out the window. So we've my husband and I have created a couple of nonprofit organizations and um you know, that were very creative organizations for their time in history. And uh, but my staff, we're still on the board. And uh, I, I know my staff gets frustrated. Our staff gets frustrated because I am not a process person. And so my connect comes in there. I'm a bleeding heart. I mean, I'm very empathetic. And when people have problems or issues, I want to pitch all the rules and just, you know, make it work. And so it was it was real good for me to read that, to read, you know, we need to be resilient and perseverance. And and then also sometimes we just need to hire people with different and marry people with different strengths. My husband is a project manager. It's a good thing one of us is. <laughs> I, I tell people if I had not married Kara, we would probably never have insurance of any kind and I would probably be in jail for tax fraud. Accidentally, just, <laughs> just, just you know, I, I tell people, I'm not sure I would have made it single. I would have never been able to figure out how to keep my bills straight and to pay my taxes. And, you know, Kara is a very much a coordinated person and she's excellent at that as, as well as other things. But I'm not good at those things. 
I know. My husband told me the other day, I said, oh, Joe, I need an assistant again. He said, you don't need an assistant. You need a wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, it is interesting, Zan, you know, there's a point, and I say in the book, at some level, we all have to do this, right? I mean, you don't you don't get a pass in your own life. I mean, I, we joke about things, but I do have to balance my checkbook. I do have to take care of finances. And so there is organizational things that are necessary. And really, if you pass on that, you're going to pay some consequences, right? Um, but there's also a level where, you know, when you start, and I tell this with students in the age group, we typically work in and say, look, you should definitely lean towards doing the thing that you're best at, but you're going to have to do all of them at some point. Yes, but then as right. you progress in your career and in your experience, there's a lot of benefit from being honest with yourself and understanding that you're not good at these things and hiring or allying yourself with colleagues or employees that do the other thing. And that is often where things take off. And I know for me, um, I'm very much like you. I'm, I'm primarily a connect person and then create and then a very distant third coordinate. And when I was working back in the College Plus days, uh, I was we were sitting in a room and, and, I, and this conversation happened and a person I was with said something about how much fun she had organizing her email. I'd rather poke at my eyes with a stick than organize email, right? I mean, like, I just, and I thought, what kind of freak is this? And I said, would you like that? She's oh yeah, this was, this was so much fun. I was like, I bet you like booking flights too. She said, I love booking flights. And you know, even an idiot like me, when God puts something in front of me, I'm kind of like, would you like to, to get paid to book flights to sort email? And she's like, that would be the best job ever. And I'm thinking, are you serious? And so Megan is, you know, has been the CEO, COO of Unbound. She's back to being my executive assistant. And I will tell you that almost anything that I've accomplished that's worth anything in my professional life came post working with Megan, who loves to do all those kinds of things, but really hates brainstorming and the kinds of things I like to do. And so it's just amazing when you sort of are willing to accept that and say, oh, well, I've got gifts here, somebody else's gifts here. And I just admit to you, Zan, I was way older than I should have been and still doing all those things because I didn't want to ask somebody else to do the hard jobs, not realizing that those are the jobs other people were really good at Love. doing and wanted yes. to do. Right. Yeah. And that was that was a revelation to me. And I was a lot older than I should have been when I finally figured it out. Well, I think it's real helpful, not just for adults, but for homeschooling parents who are trying to guide their children, because even though, you know, your children's personalities are fluid, but they do have certain bents. And if you can recognize that, you can really help them understand, like you said, that you maximize the strengths that God has given you and you you've got to learn. I'm. Um, preaching to myself, you've got to learn how to to work with and shore up your weaknesses. Also, there's the passage in scripture that, you know, Paul rejoiced in his weaknesses because the power of Christ was made perfect in him. And I, I was, re I can't remember, I was reading a book by somebody the other day that said, God chooses you more for your weakness sometimes than for your strength. So his glory can be made known. But, you know, but in day-to-day -day life, we normally want to work from our weaknesses. And it's, it's so good for us as parents to be aware of these three things. And these are three simple things without subjecting our kids to a lot of testing. Well, yeah, and I tell, tell folks, this is not about filling out a bubble chart. This is about doing life and then just looking back ret retroactively and saying, what did I choose to do there? And so I tell students to assess this. I say, just, just think about what you did in the last week or two. Uh, think about a job, think about your chores in the family, think about how you ha interact with your friends and stuff like that. And, and just, you know, very simply tell me, 
are you the person in a group who's like, hey, I have an idea, we should do this? Or are you in the person in the group that says, oh yeah, we might be able to do that, but so-and-so, they're not interested in doing that. And I, I can tell because I can saw the look in their face. Or are you the person in the group that says, great, once you tell me what we're doing, I'll get it all organized and I'll figure out you know, how we're gonna get in the right cars and go to the right places and buy the tickets and all those things. And just that really simple assessment, most people go, oh, I'm buying the tickets. Or I'm the one that knows that this is not a good thing to do because two people wouldn't like doing that. Or I'm the person that's like, I've got this crazy idea. Well, just that fast assessment, you're probably a connect, a coordinate, or a, a create type of person. And again, this is not your destiny. This is just a quick you know, bit of insight. I call it a perspective. Uh, this is not gospel truth. This is not foundational, you know, like gravity. This is a, a way for you to look at, at a particular bend and ability that you have right now at, at this point in life or where you are. And, and knowing that gives you a chance to use that in a way that can be a lot more effective. You know, one of the things um, as we wrap up, I want to talk about just what you say. I can't remember if it was in a book or a podcast I listened to that you were on about conflict, because it's interesting. When Joe and I started homeschooling, I was threatened with jail by the state superintendent of education. We lobbied. I lobbied for eight years and started our organization that was eventually named in law. And that standing up for what I believed you know, and it was conflict over and over. It it was, you know, it's not that I thrived on the conflict, but but that's sort that was sort of my sweet spot. I love doing that. And uh, but now in life in general, I hate conflict. I will, you know, I think maybe it's kind of a little bit of trauma association associated with all of all the extreme conflict for eight years, but I just don't want conflict. And I'm a connector. Um, you know, I, I want everybody to be happy. And, and I'm noticing this more as I get older, but I love how you talked about, um, whether it was the book or your your podcast, teaching our children to work with other people that are different than they are so that they know how to handle conflict, which is inevitable in life. So give us all a lesson I needed to in, in conflict management. <laughs> well, I just think that um, we, we have a, a national event that we do called Apex. And Apex is interesting because we have a student team that plans every aspect of it. And I, and I really mean that from top to bottom, pick the speakers, write the contracts, figure out the logistics, plan the event, run the event, all those things. And people are always shocked. They say, and, and they, these events are, are, are world-class. They're phenomenal. They, they shock me every year in terms of their ambition, what they can do. And I'm always blown away by what the students can do. And I'm always tickled when I have these speakers come in. They're like, who planned this? Did you plan this? I said, no, actually, I didn't. And I point at them. And they're like, well, what's the oldest kid of their 21? I was like, not 20, actually. <laughs> you know? and, and they're like, how do you pick them? And they're always surprised. I said, I pick them by the ones I think will fight the most. And there's always this stunned, like, what? And so I'm just convinced that if you are not willing to fight for your idea, then you're not going to get to the best idea. But there's a big difference between fighting a person personally for an idea and fighting an idea for an idea's sake. And, and some of this you know, stuff we put in the book is, is important to that. In other words, I'm a create person. I can come up with a great amount of ideas all the time. And experience has taught me that only about 5% of them are worth anything and they need heavily modification and they're probably not practical. So I need somebody like Megan to come along from the coordinate side and say, I know where you're going with this, but that's not going to work because we don't have any money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or we don't have the stuff. That, um, or I need my wife to sometimes come in and say, you know, while you were busy pitching your idea, you've completely missed this person over the corner who's annoyed by the whole thing. 
And you need to kind of make amends that. You know, in other words, you need people that can see those things from different aspects and then bring that to the table. And what my experience is, is when all those groups get together, there's going to be some elbow tossing, not not personally, but as, as the coordinate person says, we can't afford that. And the create person says, but it's a great idea. And the connect person says, how am I going to tell people about this? And, and when, when you get those things together and you push and people are willing to fight over that, to have conflict over that, you often wind up with something that looks different where you started, but is almost always greater than some of its parts. And, and that is a interesting situation where it comes back to our earlier part. If you've never met a mere mortal, then I tell my students, here's one of the unfortunate things to mix our, our, our Christian fantasies here. If you've never met a mere mortal, then we do not have the, we never have the luxury of fighting orcs. See, it'd be lovely to live in Middle Earth and, and have these irredeemably evil critters with swords that you could kill and feel like you've made the world a better place. We don't live in that kind of world. Uh, we live in a world that, that is, has evil in it, but we don't live in a, we live in a world full of people made in the image of God everlasting splendors or everlasting wars, according to Lewis. And so consequently, we have to always see the people that we are talking to and working with as made in the image of God. And then we also have to say as made in the image of God, we have this ability to create. And so we want to do the best that we can. And to get to the best, we have to fight over ideas while recognizing people made in the image of God. Now, that's an imperfect process. I'm certainly not perfect at it. And I've certainly made lots of mistakes. But I have been able to see when the veil is parted a little bit and when that works, it's a little glimpse of heaven, right? When people see each other's made in the image of God and don't forget that, but are willing to fight hard for ideas that matter, they achieve things beyond the scope of what they thought was possible. And that to me is just endlessly exciting. And to be able to see that played out in the teams I work with and the communities I'm in uh, has been one of the grand blessings of my life. Well, tell, tell people how they can get your book, Jonathan, Personal Triangle. Yeah, so you can order it from the Be Unbound uh, website. So if you go there and search, put that in search box or click on the link there, uh, you can find the book and we'd be delighted to send that to you. Um, and also, if you sign up um, through some of our uh, programs there to get more information, there's a way to access the book that way as well. So any of those things searched on our site will get you to the place where you can find the book. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here with us today. I want to take, before we close, and I'm going to get you to give your website and those types of things one more time. I want to thank our sponsor, BJU Press Homeschool, uh, for the curriculum they have put out that allows for flexibility, focusing on your children's learning style, and also focusing on their interests and their potential. Uh, and I, Jonathan, I want to thank you for being here. So tell us one more time where we can, where our guests can find you. Absolutely. At beunbound.us. That's beunbound.us. And Zan, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. It was an honor and a privilege. Well, thank you so much. And I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, as you know, you can find me at zantyler.com. You can find the podcast there and uh, also information on social media. So thank you. God bless you all. And until next time, bye.